1: Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with 80-year-old Glenn Burrow. Glenn, how are you? I'm great. Glenn, we've had a bit of technical issues tonight, but the main thing is we've got you online now, so thank you so much for your time. Okay. So, Glenn, what I want to... well, Thank you. Glenn, what I would like to discuss today is the 1950s. Go for it. Some, some people say it was the best years of the Browns. So l- let me call out some of, the, um, some of the years, and then maybe we can go through some of the stories that you remember in the 50s. Sure. So in 1950, we got to the playoffs, we beat the Giants, and then we won the championship against the Rams, 30-28. Uh, 51 we lost against the Rams in the championship. 52, we lost against the Lions. And in 53, we lost against the Lions. Um, so yeah, bad, bad times for us there. And then 1954, we won the championship against the Lions. And then 1955, we beat, we beat the Rams. And if I'm correct, that was the last championship that Paul Brown won as a manager of the Browns fifty in 1956 we finished fourth 1957 we lost against the Lions 1958 we lost against the Giants and then 1959 we came second so there's a bit of a overview of the uh, 50s so okay. it'd be great to understand Glenn some of your stories um what players do you remember from the uh,
0: 1950s? Oh, Jim Brown.
1: Yep. And if I'm correct, Jim Brown was drafted in 1957.
0: Oh, you got me on that. I don't know.
1: Okay, great. And tell me, what was it like watching uh, Jim Brown as a, um, as a Browns fan?
0: He was a super producer. That's for sure. He, He, he was power he was speed and he funny thing he always acted like he was on his last legs when he was walking back to the huddle but then he came out of there roaring wow i had a couple 200 yard games i'm if i'm not mistaken yeah
1: um in 1958 he broke the single season russian record of one thousand five hundred and twenty-seven yards in only twelve games.
0: Yeah, I think they got to two thousand too, didn't they?
1: Key. Let's just check this. Yeah, maybe later on, but I think in the fifties oh. that was his um, that was his uh, uh, big thing. Okay. And yeah, Jim Brown in um, nineteen fifty-seven. He was the uh, MVP. And in the uh, 1958, he was also the uh, MVP.
0: Okay, that that checks. He was.
1: And um, tell us, what other players do you remember from the fifties?
0: They all, it all mingles together. I'm sorry. Um,
1: what about Ernie Davis? You mentioned about him before we started. Oh.
0: Ernie Davis was like our number one draft choice in the fifties there at some point. And he was also from Syracuse and he may have gotten to camp, but he came down with a cancer like condition and died in a couple of years and never played a game.
1: Wow. That must've been, that that must've been awful for the club and for his family.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And tell us, uh, these were some great years for Paul Brown. What do you remember of Paul Brown?
0: He was ahead of his time. He was an excellent thinker. Um, I'll mention that he got the idea of calling the plays from the bench or from the uh, press box long before we had radio and, and microphone contact. So he was sending in play, every play from the bench. Wow. And, uh, yeah. He, he was kind of busy, you know?
1: <laughs> and was that like changing of the guards?
0: Yeah, he used. Gu- he had used messenger guards, the same two changed on every play, one coming in with the new play always. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Technical of its time. Yeah. Other teams were letting their quarterbacks call the game, you know?
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, what about uh, Otto Graham over that period?
0: You tell me when he what did his last season. Do you know?
1: Let me have a look here. It says here his nickname was Automatic Auto. I'm
0: afraid I never
1: heard that one. Well, this is the idea of the show. It's just um, two Browns fans talking about the era, learning from each other. So, uh, yeah, no dramas.
0: You know, I'll tell you this, that Otto Graham was a great quarterback. And the statistics from him just don't match up with today's game. I mean, they're throwing more and getting more yardage by long distances. His big games were like 150 yards.
1: Yeah, Graham retired with a record of 114 for 20 for two, including nine and three in the playoffs. His winning Uh, percentage of 81.4% has never been surpassed.
0: Yeah, and people talk about the great quarterbacks, and he never seems to come up. I'm I'm lost on that. He was something.
1: In 10 seasons, he never missed a game and led the Browns to the championship game every year.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, he got his face torn up in a game, and the official story said he had 14 stitches in his face in the third quarter and came out and played the rest of the game. And he ran a number of quarterback draw plays, which (laughs) is like something you never expect, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it sounds like he's a unforgiving um, hero, really.
0: Yeah. Well, they don't, it's a whole new era since the Browns moved away and started over. It's a whole new group of folks. Not many my age cover both of them, you know?
1: And do you remember the toe, Lou Grosner?
0: Oh, shoot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have his autograph.
1: Really? So did you meet with him?
0: Well, I... um. My parents took me to preseason workout at Bowling Green University. Ever heard of that?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: That was their preseason headquarters for a number of years and after the practice is over, I I have my mother's stenographer's notebook and I just walked out on the field. Nobody stops me. Here are these guys throwing a ball around and I don't know who's who. I just hand them the the book and ask them to sign it you know and I got everybody from Paul Brown to Lou Grosser to Danny Lavelli you name it I got a string of them and it's a it's mounted on my wall right now
1: <laughs> good, good man I hope it's yeah. not in the sunlight fading it's uh that... oh you know,
0: it's it's old you know it's brown <laughs> but I can read it
1: good yeah. man wow I think I'll, I'll it's love
0: Paul see... Brown's signed autographs you know that doesn't sound like him does it
1: <laughs> I would love to uh, I would love uh, for your son uh, Chris to take a picture and show me that because that's awesome
0: yeah it's a neat thing
1: awesome and do you remember any you of the know, wide, do you remember any of the wide receivers at all
0: well Speedy and Lavelli I don't know if they fall in the right period
1: that's fine we'll talk about them and out of the two which one was your favourite
0: oh I don't know they they were both what you want to call um, split ends nowadays. Uh, They ran fairly deep stuff as well as other stuff. Yeah. Are you familiar with Ray Renfro? Not really. Uh, He was the deep receiver. (laughs) He averaged just under 20 yards a catch for his
1: career. We, we, We need someone like that now. Pardon me? What do I
0: think about that that now? Yeah, no kidding. Whoever heard of that, you know? Yeah. And all of these games you're talking about were in Cleveland Stadium, which was on the lake, open baseball stadium with uh, the, the football field laid out as close to the bleachers as it could be. Because they didn't want to get into the pitcher's mound and stuff like that on the other end, so it was an experience that way. Eighty thousand people—they filled it every time.
1: And um, in that in that era, were you going to the stadium at all?
0: Oh yeah, N- not a lot, you know. But it, we went two or three times a year, and you know, buying a ticket was an adventure in itself.
1: Go on, tell us. How did you used to buy a ticket in the old days?
0: You'd go there and buy it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no two ways about it. Unless you, maybe they sold season tickets. I don't really know. But uh, yeah, you had to buy them. There was no telephone or computer or whatever to hand you a slip of paper that got you in, you know. Awesome. And that's all, you know, you got to sell 80,000 tickets in an hour or something like that. I don't know how early people started getting there, but it was fine. It worked somehow. You know, I'm going to go on here. In 1948, a little before you're talking, Cleveland was the city of champions. The Browns won, the Cleveland Indians won the World Series, and the Cleveland Barons won the Hockey League. Wow. So they pushed, they pushed that pretty well. It was a good time.
1: Good, good. good. Time. And um, what else do you remember about uh, Cleveland Stadium?
0: Oh, <laughs> it had posts. Posts, you know, vertical columns that were in among the seats and blocked views. You know, if you had it, you want to get in front of the post, that meant you were out from under the cover. Awesome. Second, or both first deck and second deck both had pillars that you were kind of dodging when you were trying to see. And it was built in the thirties, if I'm not mistaken. That's
1: correct. Opened in 1931.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the Indians played there on weekends, not on the weekday games.
1: <laughs> Crazy.
0: Yeah, and you know there wasn't that much parking either because people there wasn't that much driving to the game. It's such you know, different times, different times.
1: Well, here in London, we we very rarely drive, so um, I can imagine what it was like in them days. Everyone walking, or how would how would you get to the stadium in them days?
0: Well, you could take
1: a streetcar
0: or a bus down to Cleveland's public square and walk down. That'd awesome. be probably be the most common way if you didn't drive.
1: Awesome. And take take, and take over the, the
0: public the, transit system. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, and over the, the whole period now of you being a Browns fan, what were what <laughs> was some, of your, what was some of your highlights?
0: Some of the highlights. I think beating the Lions in that string in the 50s there was a big one. Um, yeah, because
1: we lost, we lost a lot to the Lions, didn't we?
0: Yeah. <laughs> More than we won. Um, the uh, the Browns had boosters clubs around the country. When I lived in St. Louis, there was a Browns boosters in St. Louis. They, they would gather at a a bar with a big television set and they'd all be there and they'd open on Sundays, which was probably an exception and they'd do it every
1: Sunday. And so it's it's similar to uh, myself now here in London, meeting with all the Browns fans and watching it on TV.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a deal. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to know people, you know, yeah, it was, what you did on Sunday afternoon if you were really into that stuff. Yeah.
1: And uh, t- talk to me about your history. Like, when did you start watching the Browns at home with a TV set, for example?
0: When did we start having television of football? That's yeah. a tough question. That's a tough question. Well into the 50s. Well into the 50s. Other than that, you listened on the radio, play by play. Awesome yeah and, uh, well you know
1: and now you're in houston that, if i'm correct living
0: yes that's right yeah 10 years here now
1: and and glenn do you still get time now to go up and up to cleveland
0: some yeah my my, my wife's family is up to and um some of my family is still up there yeah excellent but, you know, I'm I'm the youngest of of nineteen cousins, and I'm 80 years old. So you can figure that out.
1: Wow! <laughs> and what was the last uh, Browns game you went to?
0: The one here this year in Houston.
1: Okay, cool. A month and ago. And what were your? Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't the result that we wanted. Um, no. But what? What players stood out for you then? What players did you enjoy? The quarterback. What, quarterback looked good. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Did did he remind it, 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 you? It, did he remind you of any of the uh, previous quarterbacks over the years?
0: No, it's a different game. It's a different game. Okay. The the pass rush. Is the whole issue. If you can get enough protection to throw decent, you know, they can throw the ball well, but they got to get a little time.
1: All right. Awesome. And uh, so Glenn, one day, I hope to meet with you. Um, <laughs> Houston to Phoenix. How far away is that? That's That's still quite a distance, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, Oh, 800
1: miles. Wow. Um, so what's the chance of you going to a game uh, in 2019?
0: Oh, 50-50. I, well, yeah, I, I don't know if they do the schedule like it, uh, home and home. Like if, if Cleveland came here this year, we'll have to go to Cleveland next year, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, think, I don't think we're playing Houston this year. Um, Phoenix is down south. And I think that's it down south this year.
0: Yeah, well, they'll be putting them out soon enough. I guess it'll depend on how the final playoffs work, right? Before they can set the schedule.
1: We find the schedule in April. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll get an idea. But I think um, we've got the schedule all planned. It's just what dates we're waiting for now.
0: Yeah, okay, good.
1: Well, yeah. well, Glenn, I just want to say thank you very much. You've given me uh, an understanding on Ernie Davis, an insight on Jim Brown, Paul Brown, Otto Graham, and uh, Louis the Toe Grosner. So thank you very much for your time.
0: You know, Grosner retired, stayed out a year, and came back.
1: Was he as good when he came back?
0: No, he didn't play. Remember, he's playing offensive tackle all the time. And when he came back, he just kicked.
1: Right. Okay. So that's crazy. It's like Joe Thomas kicking, eh? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Some guys just got it and they got the nerve.
1: All right. Excellent. Well, look, Glenn, thank you so much uh, for the insight. And uh, it was great learning the history from someone that was actually uh, alive during that period.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It's been fun
1: doing it. No, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I really do look forward to meeting you uh, face to face. And I'm really keen to see the photo of all your signatures.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll work on that.
1: All right, excellent. Glenn, thank you so much for your time.
0: All right, we'll see
1: you. Bye. Take care.